0: Hello podcast listeners and welcome to this week's episode of the Commercial Connection Podcast. I am your host Spencer Taylor with Mill Creek Commercial. It is a pleasure and honor to have you here with us. It's also a pleasure and honor to have our friend Brandon Hughes join us today. How are you Brandon? I'm doing well man Spencer you have a good podcast voice. (laughs) Thank you. you. I do I do have a face for radio which uh, you know some would say it's good. Some would say it's bad. But so so is the fact. But um, Brandon is division manager for Asset Preservation Inc. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to go ahead and say one of the national leaders for qualified intermediary services, which help uh, landlords do 1031 exchanges. You know, investment investors do uh, be compliant with all aspects of a 1031 exchange cross the t's dot the i's i mean would you would you say that api asset preservation inc is i mean if you're not the top you're one of the top definitely one of the
1: top um i think there's a few that are always a little neck and neck up there but yeah. we're one of the national leaders especially when it comes to exchange security um, a lot of people are unaware i mean you're probably aware but uh the irs or the federal government, really? They haven't regulated the treatment of exchange proceeds. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely, if I were to do an exchange, I would go with one of the bigger, well-established QIs. We've been doing this about thirty years, two hundred thousand yeah. exchanges. So, um, yeah, I'd say we're one of the national leaders out there.
0: Yeah. Now, Brandon, you're out of Arizona, right? What what am- Arizona do you live? In? What what part of Phoenix do you live in?
1: So our office is in Phoenix, uh, somewhat near what people call the Camelback Corridor. Mm-hmm. Tons of commercial real estate, tons mm-hmm. of uh, title offices. It's like coffee shops, right? But I live up in North Scottsdale, so a little bit quieter, a little bit cooler actually right now. We've had crazy rainstorms, but uh, just a,
0: a little bit out of the city is yeah. where I like. Um, before we dive into this cerebral topic of 1031 Exchanges. And by the way, we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, entity, uh, you know, entity rules and regulations when you do an exchange. But before we dive into that, Brandon, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Give us an introduction, your hobbies, your interests, uh, where, where'd you go to school, previous jobs and careers, family, all, you know, all that, all that stuff.
1: All the good stuff. All right. Well, I um, grew up for the most part here in Arizona, somewhat Southern California, so uh, definitely love the beach. I went to Arizona State University, go Sun Devils, uh, fantastic school, had a really good time there, learned a lot. Uh, I majored in accounting and then went the the route of, of working at a big four accounting firm. So started out at Ernst & Young, uh, definitely learned a lot. Uh, they make you drink through a fire hose as the expression goes and work a lot of hours. And it was a good time. Got to travel around a bunch for that. Um, Eventually landed up back here in Arizona pretty permanently working with asset preservation. Instead of looking at a ton of the tax code, we get to look at just the, the 1031 section, which is a lot more manageable in my opinion. Um, Man, when I'm not working though, I love hiking. We have beautiful hiking trails around here, Uh, maybe in a couple months, not necessarily this time of year with the, sky high temperatures but uh yeah definitely a lot to do in Arizona I've come to appreciate it more and more as I live here
0: your your Sun Devils will be up at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on September 18th playing BYU coming up
1: (laughs) coming up yeah well BYU is a good school so I'll have to watch that game
0: oh man I was gonna I was about to suggest just zip on up here and and, and you know, Are they doing these in-person games? I sure hope so. Well, I think BYU is. I mean, I, I mean, I'm planning. I'm going to be. I'm going to be down at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the the Arizona game, BYU Arizona game. Now, there's a lot more regulation there, but I, as far as I know, I think everything's here in Utah is going to be like open. And, I'm
1: crossing my fingers. We've yeah. had a few different. Um, Classes go from in person to online. I, I think, I think that was not the best indicator of what's to come. But um, yeah, I, I really hope to be in the stands supporting uh, definitely ASU, and, and you know, definitely watch BL, uh, BYU. <laughs> I don't have a nexus, so it's hard to support a team I don't uh, have a relation to.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, l- let's let's dive in here. Let's let's first talk about. <clears throat> Let's talk about the general rule when you sell a property that's used for investment purposes, for business or investment purposes, and you you intend to do a 1031 exchange and you own that inside of an entity. The rule is that you must, you must own the replacement property inside of that same entity, right? Yes. Basically
1: you're hitting the nail on the head there. So in exchange, it's uh any real property used in trader business or held for investment can yeah. again be exchanged for like kind real property used in trader business held for investment. So think non-owner occupied property.
0: Yep. Uh, but I, I want to go down this road. I want to go down this road because th- I mean that's the rule. But there's a lot of variations. Like there's a lot of I don't know exceptions, right? There's there's you know. So I want to go down this rule. This this I want to go deep into this rule. and and just learn about when somebody owns one, two, three main street, LLC, right. And they own, Mm -hmm. they own the property located at one, two, three main street. And they, they decide it's time to sell, do an exchange. And they want to, they want to, they want to sell that. And they want to exchange into something else. And uh, do they have to own their next, their replacement property in one, two, three main street, LLC. And so, This, I want to just explore this and and kind of just educate our listeners on when do you need to do it? What's the process? You know, and I just want to tell everyone, you're going to have questions as you listen. Call your QI, call your accommodator to ask questions so you can be educated. You know, this is not, you know, that's just full disclosure. Talk to professionals around you. So let's talk about this ownership in an entity. Uh, like like a one yeah, 2 excellent entity, yeah. And I think it, what happens is, you know, most people
1: out there tell you, they say, hey, the vesting needs to be the same on both the relinquished and replacement properties or properties, plural, right? Um, but that's really just a guideline. That's how we end up with 123 llc as you put it maybe owning xyz property so the llc name sometimes won't even match what the property is it's because it's just moved along and nothing's been changed but the key issue here is who's the tax owner so the tax owner of the relinquished property does need to be the tax owner acquiring the replacement property when you fill out your form 8824 on your tax return you're going to be the entity reporting your relinquished replacement properties so the tax owner here is what's key it's not necessarily what's written or written excuse me in the vesting i look at two general rules here so virtually any natural or legal person think u.s entity foreign entity uh, you know u.s person outside foreign non-citizen but any legal person can perform a 1031 exchange could be an individual corporation partnership llc trust etc goes on so anyone can do this exchange now the second rule here is the seller of the relinquished property And It's generally determined by the status of legal title or emphasis on generally here, but um, the seller of the relinquished property should also be the buyer of the replacement property. So let's say John Smith is on title of the relinquished property. We like to think that John Smith should acquire replacement property in his name as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What we run into is sometimes John Smith owns his property through 123 LLC. Now that LLC might legally exist, but for tax purposes, the IRS looks at that and says, okay, that, that legally is there, but you have this single member LLC, it's gonna flow through, go on your tax return. Well, John Smith and 123 LLC are one in the same. Uh, so this is a, a big question to ask yourself and maybe CPA tax attorney as you're easing into these 1031 exchanges is, well, who really is the taxpayer performing this exchange? Uh, is it me or is it my LLC? Is it my trust? Maybe it's the partnership, right? Because um, that taxpayer is is who's going to be relinquishing and replacing.
0: Back backstepping just a few steps, talk to us about what a pass through entity is. Yeah, good question. So disregarded entity for
1: federal tax purposes, it's uh, defined in the TreasRegs uh, Section three hundred one point seven seven zero one, and basically the owner of a disregarded entity. Or the entity uh, is treated as if it doesn't exist as the owner of the entity. So if that disregarded entity is, in fact, uh, interchangeable as the taxpayer, then the entity may sell and the owner may buy or vice versa. So, Spencer, if you own 100% of the interest in a disregarded tax entity for federal tax purposes, let's say Spencer like, like LLC. For,
0: like, for example, 123 Main Street LLC. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I own exactly. If I own, the, yeah, if I own that, en, if I own that entity, and it's a disregarded entity, then exactly. I
1: could, I could sell the property percent of the interest. Yeah.
0: yeah. Then you could sell it in your LLC. You
1: could go ahead and purchase in your name because at the end of the day, when you're filling out your tax return, you're the taxpayer. You're the exchanger. Yeah. You're relinquishing the property, albeit through an LLC, but <laughs> you're reporting it on your Form eighty eight twenty four, sure. not an LLC's form. Uh, so legally, that LLC. One, two, three might exist, but at the end of the day, you're the the taxpayer
0: and the exchanger. Uh, Are there cases where an LLC is formed and the LLC is its own taxpayer?
1: Yes. So um, I I wouldn't say most, but you have a mix of LLCs that are disregarded tax entities Mm -hmm. and guarded tax entities. Um, Any single member LLC is going to be a disregarded tax entity. Of course, you have... um, LLCs where maybe you have husband and wife or um, husband-spouse, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. In that case, well, it depends on the state. So Arizona, California, we're community property states. Uh, At the end of the day, it's all the same. So uh, this husband and wife who might own an LLC, they're disregarded. It goes straight through, goes on their return. Um, Spencer, you're in an equitable distribution state, Utah. So it could be that that LLC is a regarded tax entity, really something that you want to ask your a CPA or tax attorney about say, who really is going to be yeah. the exchanger in this case? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Always, always check in with your your professionals, your your attorneys, your CPAs, whoever you need to. Always do that. And um, definitely
1: multi-member LLCs. Uh, I think you and a, a friend, you, you know, you and a partner, something like that. Those are always going to be regarded tax
0: entities. And and that's because uh, if you and I, brand own the LLC then I'm paying taxes on half of it. I mean, assuming we're 50-50, let's just assume we're 50-50. Mm-hmm. I'm paying taxes on half of it. You're paying taxes on half of it on your own, uh, in, in your own tax return. It flows through to your own tax return, right?
1: Right. It might flow through, but at the same time, the IRS looks at that entity that LLC and recognizes is that it is a taxpayer who owns yeah. property. So it right. could okay. go ahead and do an exchange.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about those situations where the entity is is a regarded entity mm-hmm. um, share with us um if somebody wants to do an exchange with a regarded entity a corporation an l l c an s corp um i don't know is it is a trust like like uh the family trust is that a regarded entity? That's a good question. So trust can be a bit tricky. Uh, you have a few different kinds of trusts
1: here. The most notable are you got your revocable living trusts Mm -hmm. and that's probably the majority of what we see. And those, they are disregarded to, um, disregarded from the trust to the owner there. Right. And so at the end of the day, you might have, um, you know, john and sally smith trust yeah. but john and sally are going to be the exchangers the taxpayer because it's a revocable living trust uh, yeah. there are other trusts out there um, you got your irrevocable trust where you're really giving up all the rights to the property to someone else then in that case the trust is the taxpayer and the exchanger um, but grantor trust that's what you want to think of but those are going to be yeah. the ones that flow through and that at the end of the day that trust is disregarded
0: so walk through walk through the rules with us when you're when you own your investment property or your property held for investment or business purposes when you own it in a regarded entity what's the process what are the what what are um give us a few tips to make sure that you know as you go into making the decision of of selling that property doing an exchange what are kind of the rules what what's kind of the outline that you you counsel people on doing when they have a when they own property in a regarded entity. So regarded entities, they can be tricky. And I kind of get what you're
1: getting at and that is once you're going to make the sale, you got to be thinking about, well, yeah, again, who who's the one making this sale and then resulting purchase? Cuz oftentimes you'll have an LLC or a partnership and Spencer, let's take you and I for example. We've got a partnership, it's been going great. One day you get mad at me. I've done something wrong. So we decide to go our separate ways. That partnership's going to go ahead and relinquish property. And then maybe you're going to cash out and I'm going to go on and try and replace property. Well, that's difficult to do, right? Because the partnership in this case is a regarded tax entity. It's the exchanger and the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. So the partnership really should be relinquishing property and purchasing replacement property, not you and I. We're just, you know owners of a percentage of this partnership we're not on title we don't own the, the property being relinquished the partnership does so a lot of people what they'll do is they'll hold if they plan to do an exchange maybe they'll hold their properties in a maybe a tenants in common relationship where you have it 50 50 or 50 percent. excuse me i have it 50 percent. then when we go to make our sale and go our separate ways we are really our own taxpayers so um There are some workarounds for it. You have what's common in the industry. It's called the drop and swap. It's where you have a partnership. Mm -hmm. Maybe you and I are in it. Um, Maybe you and I and and someone else, right? We got three of us in it. And one of us wants to cash out, drop out. Maybe two of us want to go and exchange. Well, you can always drop that partner out. They could go in as a tenants in common. You and I can maintain the partnership with our third person kind of out of the way now. When we go to make the sale, our partnership can continue with an exchange and our third person can go do his separate thing, or vice versa. Maybe you're dropping out as a tenant's in common uh, to the partnership, and yeah. then once the sale happens, you're making an exchange, and the partnership's going its separate way. Now, this is a interesting area of exchanges. Uh, I would definitely, in this case specifically, say talk to your CPA tax attorney. Um, federally, we do have some cases where this was supported; it works out, and, and people do do this, but. Uh, there are certain groups like the California Franchise Tax Board who they go after these and they disagree with them. So this is one of those gray areas where
0: you definitely want to tread lightly. Be careful. And, and that's not something that you can ease. You know, the drop and swap is not something you can do. You know, a couple of days before the closing of your relinquished property, right?
1: Exactly. It, it yep. takes
0: time. It takes planning. It takes strategy. <laughs>
1: Strategy is right. a good one, yeah because i would say if I were going to do a drop and swap, I would drop out as far in advance as possible to the sale of the relinquished property, yeah because so. let's say that you drop out um, right before the sale. Well, have you personally demonstrated your intent to hold for investment? Right. Uh, not really, maybe the partnership has, but you haven't um, additionally, it could look like you really just did the drop to go ahead and do this exchange. you weren't you know dropping out for a, a non related business purpose, so. Um, yeah, these drops typically, if you want to do them correctly, you want to do them as far in advance prior to
0: the relinquished property as possible. Yeah. Um, If you uh, talk to us about, okay, let's say you complete a 1031 exchange in in a regarded entity, right? You sell your relinquished property, you've successfully completed an exchange, you now own your Replacement property inside the same entity, right? You've you've followed all the all the you know all the rules, dotted all the i's, crossed all the t's, right? Um number one, can you change the entity after you've made the purchase? And how how does that happen if you want to change ownership to a different entity you own? Um Good question. So, and you're speaking directly to
1: regarded entities.
0: To a regarded entity, yeah.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So with a regarded entity, definitely in an exchange, you want to demonstrate your intent to hold for investment, whatever entity or exchange or taxpayer that is. So that regarded entity, maybe they, they hold it uh, they hold it for investment for a bit. And then at some point down the line, they can maybe try and quit claim or, or whatnot into another entity. That's fine to do. It could result emphasis on could result in a taxable event. Um, emphasis always needs to be put on, again, CPA tax attorney, get their mm-hmm. advice on on what's going to trigger these taxable events. Um, but it is possible to do, and we do see people do
0: that. Yeah. Okay. So it can be done, just the right people need to help you do it.
1: it exactly. I, I'd say the accounting professionals are your friend in this case, they can either give you the go-ahead or the no-go. Um, I think it, it also is gonna depend on why you're shifting around and, and what the purpose is. Um, your intent. But if you're just shifting, exactly, your intent here. So are you trying to uh, circumvent taxes or is this really
0: just in the normal cor- uh, excuse me, course of business? Yeah. Brandon, this is interesting stuff. This is good. It, what, what else? What else do we need to talk about on this episode? Oh, man. Um, what else is on your mind?
1: Well, I think, you know what a normal question is I get about these um,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: these entity issues is lenders. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, we're exchanging. We sell a property. We're going for a replacement. That replacement, it might be a bit more than what we relinquished here. And uh, a lot of cases, we're getting a loan. Now, do lenders like loans? Or excuse me, do lenders like LLCs, Spencer?
0: I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say no. They do not like LLCs. Well, I can't speak to every lender, but a lot of
1: uh, groups out there they they don't really care to lend to an LLC. They don't know. They want to lend to the person they know, right? They're yeah. you know Spencer Taylor, Brandon Hughes, and so maybe we've sold in our LLC. We're going to replace in the LLC, and the lender says, "Well, we'd rather you guys go on title as you know the two of you. You guys go and get the loan." So. These are questions you got to be asking yourself and you got to be thinking about before you do an exchange. I'd say, you know, sometimes a couple of years even prior to a sale, you want to always prep yourself for for what's going to be um, possible when it comes time to make the sale and make an exchange. Because maybe we would have wanted to have gone in as tenants in common, right, drop out a year or two prior, right, just so that when Mm -hmm. we go to make that replacement, we have the flexibility to get a loan in our personal names, not the LLC or the exchanger.
0: Cool. Cool. Brandon, thank you. This is helpful. Appreciate it's your- technical, but it is interesting stuff. You know, it's, it's technical, but it's, it's, I think it's interesting. And I think it, it, it just gives you enough information to go to your CPA, to go to your attorney, to go to your QI and ask the question, Right, you have enough knowledge to ask a question. Do I need to do I need to buy my replacement property in the same entity I sold it? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. (laughs) Right, and so this is this is good. This is good. Talk on entities, man. This is good.
1: Okay, well, yeah, we worked um, just recently with a group who they thought they were going to have to do three different exchanges Mm
0: -hmm. because they had
1: them all in different LLCs. And once I sat down with them, and of course they talked to their CPA, but. I said, well, really, guys, these LLCs, they go straight through to you. These are regarded LLCs. You guys are the exchangers and the taxpayers. So what we ended up doing is they sold in these LLCs, went ahead and purchased one property, so consolidated the three sales uh, into one replacement, and they did it all in their name. So sometimes what you don't think is possible can quickly become possible and vice versa.
0: Cool. Cool. That's good. Brandon, what's, what's a tip you seem to always leave with a landlord who's thinking about doing an exchange? We'll end on this this little bit of info.
1: Start working early. Talk to your yeah. qualified intermediary. Yeah. Talk to your broker. Yep. Uh, never wait till the last minute. The most successful exchanges are the ones where someone's contacting me six months prior.
0: Uh, yeah. I, you always I mean, want to work, I mean, work. Even if you're not sure you're going to be actually doing an exchange, still talk, still talk early, right? Ask the questions, get the info, you know, just in case kind of anyway, Brandon, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Spencer, for having me. Yeah. yeah, I I appreciate you having me on. And hopefully this was a, a little helpful or insightful.
0: I think it was. I think it was. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you wouldn't mind head over to, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, podcast store, wherever you're listening to this podcast, head over there. Give us a five-star rating if you feel like this is a five-star quality uh, content produce uh, production. Uh, and then please share it. Share this with a friend. Share it with a landlord. Share it with your neighbor because someone could be uh, in serious need of this information. And uh, so until next time, have a good day.